going wrong, and then just the joy in the Lord and how wonderful that is. And and even when the doctors aren't really being optimistic and when you're struggling with battles, man, Jesus gives your heart a song, and that's wonderful, so thankful for that. Um, uh, Brother Adam's doing his sound thing and video thing back there. Um, he apologized to me earlier. He's like, man, Pastor, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry I'm in my work clothes. And I'm like, dude, I'm proud of people when they're in their work clothes. And so that's a blessing. And and Miss Becca's playing is wonderful. And, man, some sometimes you just, all, it's all you can do to get here. I'm just proud of you for getting here and thankful for you. And that's a blessing. So I appreciate the sensitivity to it um, and you know, not ever wanting to take advantage of that, but man, I sure am thankful for God's people who work hard and serve hard. It's a blessing, so that's good. Obviously, we got an addition to the service tonight. You say, what's going on? Well, that was on purpose, and um, from time to time on a Wednesday night during the teen church season, I'll just, I'll, you know, just try to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but feel like what we're going to talk about will be good for our entire, or for the, you know, obviously we have patch going on, but for our teens and young adults, uh, just for that genre of our church to hear, want everybody kind of be on the same page. And so, man, Brother Fevi is always great about that, and he and the rest of the youth team, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, let's open our Bibles to Proverbs 22. We're just continuing on in on this Proverbs series right now. Uh, we were out of it for a while, and until the Lord directs otherwise, we will be in it for a little while. And we're picking up in verse number 10. Proverbs 22, verse number 10. It's great to have our guests here. And if you see somebody like, I don't, I don't, I don't remember having seen them. Oh, well, maybe that's because you haven't. So you should go meet them and say hello to them. But we're always thankful. And everyone watching online, thanks so much for being a part of the services. So Proverbs 22, 10. Cast out. The scorner. Okay, let me go ahead and start with an example right away. We're not talking about gently, subtly, like, hey, hey let's make you comfortable. <laughs> you go study it, cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. The title, the thought is this, snuff it out. Snuff it out. And uh, I understand, I started off with kind of a, a hard illustration right away to get your attention, but this is a hard subject. That is really destructive if it's not dealt with. And it would be better to do maintenance than it would be to have to pick up the pieces later. Because there will be pieces if it's not dealt with. And there will be fragments of people's lives and churches' abilities to do what the Lord wants them to do if it's not dealt with. And so snuff it out. Father, um, I'm so thankful that you love us and just God I know on a Wednesday night folks are tired and busy and so many things going on and we got another big weekend coming up with Mother's Day and folks traveling and different battles people are having and it's just a busy time a good time in a lot of ways 
also a heavy time for some, and, and you are aware of all of that, and, and you have us in this passage for this moment, and I just, God, I pray, number one, that you would help my spirit. You understand the spirit, my own spirit, better than even I do, and, and I certainly didn't study this with any kind of vindictiveness, but I pray that you would protect my heart from even the things that I wouldn't be aware of. But then also, Father, that I wouldn't dilute the truth either and that your spirit would work in the hearts of each one of us to be honest and to be sensitive to this issue and to have a personal passion to protect the church that you allow us to be a part of. God, everyone that attends West Valley in any capacity ought to have the attitude it's a special place, and I'm thankful I get to be a part of it, but it has to be protected. And so I pray that you would help each one of us to take responsibility for that in all the ways that we should. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. When uh, we came here to visit, uh, we, we did not understand what was going on. I had told my kids, man, it, when we go there to visit, um, we're going to be able to see the mountains ar around us because that's what I was told. Uh, but then we get here and we were staying in a great spot to be able to look to the east. Uh, Pastor Hester had put us up in the hotel, the Holiday Inn over on Garrity or off of Garrity on Flamingo. And you can see, you can see the, the mountains to the east of Boise and all of that. And you look a little to the south and you see Squaw Butte, I believe it's called. And you normally see that on a normal day. We get here, you can't see anything. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And my kids are like, you lied to us, Dad. Was going, I thought we could see the mountains. Well, come to find out, it was haze and smoke uh, just from fires um, in the region. And that blood in this valley kind of has the habit of when that stuff's going on, it just kind of comes around and it can suffocate and it just blocks out some really beautiful views. And many of you know this, that fires can get out of control really quick and get out of control before you even realize what's happening. I, I don't remember exactly what the circumstances were, but I was um, 13, 14, and, and some buddies, we were out camping. And you know how you are with your buddies when you're camping. You're not primarily concerned with fire safety. You're more concerned with how big you can get the fire. And for whatever reason, on that particular occasion, I had a little more intelligence and awareness. That wasn't typical when I was 14, 13. But for that moment, I did. And maybe it was just the incredible amount of lack of common sense that I was surrounded by. But these guys, we're out in the woods, and these guys are just playing with this fire like it's just a toy. And, and it would get out of the fire area and I was, I was chasing that stuff down and stomping it out. And they started making fun of me, calling me Smokey the Bear. And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, there's other things that could go wrong here. I'm just trying to be aware of that. And we heard a story in, in Oklahoma of how someone was doing uh, some welding or some kind of work with metal that created sparks. And uh, they, they had the water there. They had everything there that you're supposed to have. And Oklahoma can go through some really dry spells. And you have all these fields and this brush and hay. And uh, with everything there as they should have, these sparks just flew. And before this individual knew it, this fire was consuming hundreds of acres and bales of hundreds of bales of hay, which can be very detrimental to ranchers and farmers. 
And fires that get out of control, if they're, if they're not snuffed out in the early stage, they can become a blaze that, as you know, and as we see, can destroy land. Not just, not just acres, but hundreds of thousands of miles of forest. It can destroy homes. It can ruin the habitat for wildlife. And sometimes it even takes human life as well. I want to deal with two things before we make application. And the first is this. What is a scorner? Now, let me give you this quote. A scorner, according to a commentator named Mr. Scott, is one who treats any person or thing with contempt. He, he deems his own understanding equal to the discovery, investigation, and even comprehension of every subject. Okay, I know that's a mouthful. Here's what they're saying on that part. A scorner believes that they're an expert on everything. You can't tell a scorner anything. No, you, you can't tell a scorner how to do it. You can't tell a scorner you might be doing this wrong. You can't tell a scorner you might be thinking about this wrong. You can't tell a scorner that you're in danger. You can't tell a scorner that they're going the wrong direction. You can't tell a scorner that they have heard wrong because they are an expert on everything. Let me continue the quote. Because they consider themselves to be an expert, here's the rest of the quote, he or she therefore rejects as false whatever he cannot account for just because you can't comprehend it therefore you reject it as false because you are the expert and whatever he finds contrary to his preconceived sentiments and what is out of the reach of his reason and indeed all that tends to condemn his conduct or expose his folly in other words it doesn't matter what it is because he's an expert if it in any way shines a negative light on anything that he is doing, anything that she is saying, any direction that they're going, any way that they are conducting themselves, if it in any way contradicts anything that they are doing or opposes anything that they are doing, it must automatically be wrong because they are an expert on everything. Therefore, if someone corrects them, the person who corrects them must be wrong, regardless of how much experience they've had. If someone tells them they might reconsider, that person is obviously short-sighted because they know better than everyone else. It's always comical to me to watch people who are young ignore and even despise the counsel of people who are less young as though they've got everything figured out. No, I am an expert. I, I'm sorry that you didn't know that in your less young years, but I am an expert on everything, and therefore you can't tell me that I'm wrong. You can't warn me to be careful. You can't tell me of the danger because I know what is best, and anything that contradicts what I think is an error that I need to point out and I need to destroy. So here's some characteristics. They're always right. They're always right, even when they're obviously wrong. <laughs> like when you have them on camera running the stop sign and causing the wreck, they're still wrong. Like when you can see the text that they sent to their buddy 
they're always right. They're never wrong. No one knows better than them. It doesn't matter what position, mm, it doesn't matter what position they're not in. You know, it's okay, it's okay to have opinions about how other people, ought, how you think other people ought to be doing, whatever it is that you have an opinion about, but you ought to remember, there may be a reason they're in that position and you're not in that position. Like, like this, I, do, I preach a lot about parenting, I do, and I believe I'm supposed to preach a lot about parenting, but I remember this, I'm not your kid's parent. No, and if I've got something that I really feel like I need to say, then I need to go say it to you. But I don't need to undermine your parenting because I'm not, it's okay for me to have an opinion, but I'm not their parent. It's okay to have an opinion, but a scorner says, well, the pastor ought to do this, or that teacher ought to do this. Well, it may be good before you get too strong and vocal about those opinions that you go to God and say, God, help me to remember that there's a reason you have them in that position, and you have me in a different position. They are critical of everything that is outside of what they think is best. And here's the reason they're critical of it, because it's outside of what they think is best. It's not based on biblical principle. It's not based on, a, on some kind of truth. It is based on, I don't like this, and therefore I am critical of it. And they generally have a critical spirit. Just uh, an attitude that things are never good enough, and unless it's done exactly like they want it, unless it's taught exactly like they want it, unless it's dealt with exactly like they want it, unless it's moving in the direction or they're given the freedom exactly like they want it, then the result, it cannot be good and therefore they, they have a right, and this is what they believe, they have a right to be critical of everything that they don't like. They have a right to be critical of it. That's what a scorner is. Here's what a scorner causes. Notice in verse number 10, contention, strife, and reproach. A scorner sets people at odds with one another. A scorner forces people to take sides. Puts people in a position where, hey, it, because of their condescending attitude about everyone else and their elevation of themselves, if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. And so then people are in a position having to take their side. It creates contention. It creates, it creates sorry, lost my place, strife where there is friction and people going at it. And it, and it causes reproach. It, it brings shame. And some of the idea of this is that when the people of God are at war with each other, it is not honoring to Jesus Christ. And you see, you see how, much of a, how much damage is done to the testimony of our Savior when the people of God become so consumed with their preferences and with, with their critiques and their opinions that they allow it to spill over in a public way. And it, and it can really wreak havoc, cause great distress and destruction upon things in such a public way that people have a perception of that group of believers that look at how foolish and short-sighted why would I want any of that if I can't get along if they can't get along with each other and think about you think about the children of Israel 
God, God's going to give us this land. Joshua and Caleb, don't be afraid. Trust God. God's going to give us this land. Ten spies that come out. No, we can't handle it. Moses led us here to die, and we just need to rebel against them. We're going to pick up stones and cast, and we're going to kill Moses and maybe some other leadership. And, and for 40 years, they wander in the wilderness as a reproach where that scorning generation is wiped out. A scorner starts fires. Here's what Charles Bridges, he's one of the commentaries I use frequently on the book of Proverbs. I'm never endorsing everything somebody says, by the way. Just remember that, but it's good to get other people's view on stuff. This is what Charles Bridges said about a scorner. He's a firebrand of contention in the church. You ever seen those little flamethrower torches hook up to a little propane bottle? Fun. When you're trying to start a fire, you know what a scorner is? They take their attitude, their spirit of critical, negative, spite, hook it up, and they just go around starting fires. Hey, let me start a fire in your life. Let me spread a little bit of this contention. Let me complain about this. Let me listen to this gossip. Let, let, me, let me create an environment where you feel free to complain and to critique without ever handling it the biblical way. And they set people on fire, and it ends up having massive, leaving massive amounts of damage and destruction. And literally, this kind of attitude has a generational effect. What was the age limit of the people who, the scorning generations who died in the wilderness? Somebody tell me, what was the age limit? 20. We're not, we're not talking about just the folks in this age bracket. We are talking about multiple generations perished. And there are, there are churches and there are groups of believers and there are faith families that have failed to control this in their own lives. Where leadership has failed to deal with it. Where believers have failed to monitor themselves and to help police one another in the proper way. So that this just begins to spread like wildfire and people are torn down and people are divided. And it ends up leaving a generational wake to the point that families that once attended church consistently, their children develop such a hard heart because of how much how much spite and how much gossip and how much tearing down of each other there was. Their kids don't want anything to do with Christ or his church. A scorner can set a blaze that will leave a church devastated. It's like this. In a, in a youth department, man, Thomas, my parents are so lame and dumb. Oh, it's like this, Maddie, man, these rules that Ms. Rothen and Ms. Marcella constantly make us do, they're so lame and stupid. Hey, Julia, do you see those losers over there? Do you see those new kids that came? They're just losers. They're weirdos. They don't look like us. No, no, don't laugh. I'm not, I'm not doing it to be funny because that's what we're talking about. And pastors talking about we got to sit up to the, we got to sit on the front row or up to the front or we got to sit with our families. He's such a control freak. That's how it starts. You got your little blowtorch of criticism. But it's not just the youth department. In fact, 
when it's going on in the youth department, what you find is that it's probably going on at home. And they're learning how to light up those torches because they've been watching their mom and dad light up those torches for a while. And we're just gonna, we're gonna use our family time to hose this person and we're gonna have this attitude and we're gonna allow bitterness to set in and we're gonna gossip about this person and we're gonna openly complain and criticize these people and we're gonna be negative. And sometimes kids are even watching moms and dads do it to each other and they hear the mom sometimes complaining about the dad in her circle of friends and they hear the dad griping about the wife with his circle of buddies and hear him being Anything but respectful about the woman God has given him. And you do it to your spouse. And you can do it to a church member you don't like. You can do it about a guest that you don't understand. You can do, about, do it to a pastor that you don't agree with or sometimes understand. You, you'd spread it all over the place. That's what happens. But it never stops. It never stops there. It always spreads. Fires that are out of control always spread. So Solomon's asking, trying to get his son to ask the question. Remember, a king dealing with a son who will be king. How do you handle this? How, you think about the scorners that David had to deal with in his kingdom as he's transitioning. And what did he tell Solomon? Beware of these people. You know, like Joab, don't, don't tolerate. He was disloyal. He's a scorner. Don't tolerate that. I can't remember the guy who, who cursed David on his way running from Absalom. But that, you don't tolerate that guy. You don't tolerate that attitude. And so Solomon didn't tolerate him. He sent, one of, he sent his main general to Joab and is like, you want to die here or you want to die outside? And he's like, I'll die here. And he died there. The other guy, he set other parameters for other people. Even, even, one, of his own, even one of his own brothers, these are the parameters. You're a scorner and you're after the throne that God didn't give it didn't give to you and so Solomon is trying to help his son understand there are people who's who you need to deal with and you need to give opportunity to be right but there are people whose heart is so bent away from God and away from submission and on having their own way and determining to have a critical attitude no matter what you you can only give so much space to them and at some point you have to remove them or they have the potential to burn the whole thing down where it's not even recognizable. So what do you do? What do you do in a kingdom? What do you do in a family? What do you do in a church family? Well, you cast them out. In Hebrew, that means exactly what you think it means. You're out. The king would have authority. King did have authority. A church has authority. What are you talking about? Matthew 18. A church has authority to deal with things like that. People who so obviously set themselves against the direction or the authority structure of a church that they are only going to criticize and complain. And I'll deal with what I'm talking about, but they, they refuse to ever handle any grievance the right way. A church has not just the authority, but the responsibility to deal with that. You go look at the, church in, the churches in Revelation in chapter 2 and 3, and part of Jesus' problem with the leadership of those churches is that they weren't removing scorners that were setting fire to people's lives with false doctrine and wicked lifestyles and resisting the work of God. Church has authority. But most importantly, and this is where I'm really going to focus, individuals have the power and the ability to snuff it out or to spread it. 
I'm, I've never even kind of been close to being a fireman. By the way, I'm thankful for our firemen. We have a few. I'm thankful for them. Thankful for them. Thankful for the way they sacrifice hours and hours and hours and thousands of hours of inconvenience just so they can be ready on a moment's notice. And they train over and over and over and over again. And there are things that a fireman can do that I, I can't do. I don't understand. I don't know how to do it. But this is what I did know how to do as a 13-year-old. I know how to recognize that fire, that little spark. If those leaves catch on fire, it's going to spread so I can just go stamp it out myself. I don't have to call the firemen. Are you, with, are you tracking me? Where I really want to focus in this application is this, that individuals have the ability to snuff this out before it ever has to be dealt with on a higher level. Say it again. Individuals have the ability to snuff this stuff out before it ever has to be dealt with at a higher level. And honestly, I, I might forget to mention this in a little bit. If more of God's individual children would learn how to recognize this stuff and snuff it out, it would actually help salvage a lot of people that are guilty of scorning at times. Because oftentimes, when, oftentimes when it's tolerated and it's allowed and it's intentionally or unintentionally encouraged, it only hardens the heart of the one scorning so that sometimes if it had just been dealt with on the individual level by the people involved, then it could have been stopped while their heart was soft. So to stop the fire, you got to get rid of the source of the fire. So stamp out the sparks of scorning before they become flames that devastate your church. That's the statement. Stamp out the sparks of scorning before they become flames that devastate your church. Let me give you four things to help motivate and to help control scorning. Motivate you to not be a scorner and to help control scorning. Turn back to chapter 6. Proverbs 6, verse number 16. Number one, here's the number one thing. Remember what God thinks of those who start fires among his people. Remember what God thinks of those who start fires among his people. Proverbs 6, 16. Don't read the whole passage. Just look up here. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him. All right. We're good. We're good, Baptists in here. We know what's an abomination to God. And we got, we got those few things that we love to amen and we love to talk about. Yep, that's an abomination to God. You know what's interesting? You know what's intriguing to me about this list? This list happened after Noah and the flood, it happened after Sodom and Gomorrah. And none of those things, or not all of those things are mentioned in this list. Some of them are, not all of them are. You know what the first one is? Pride. <laughs> you know what the last thing is? You can look at verse 19. I'll just tell you, he that soweth discord among the brethren. No, this is what God says. These six things doth the Lord hate. And seven are an abomination to him. Now, look, some of you, you think of the word abomination, and you automatically, you go to Romans, and yeah, I'll tell you what lifestyles are an abomination. But I'll also remind you that Proverbs 6 is just as relevant as Romans chapter 1. And what God says is an abomination in Romans 1. He also says there are things in Proverbs 6 that are an abomination, and that is, he that sows discord among the brethren. 
He hates it. No, no, it's, it's not at all that he's just, okay, okay, it's okay, buddy. No, he hates it. Because, it, number one, it's defying his purpose. Number two, it's robbing people of opportunities for him to work and for him to be helped. And understand that oftentimes, not everyone in, in a body of faith is going to be at the same level of spiritual maturity. And there are people that are going to follow a scorner sometimes simply because they don't know any better. God hates it when a scorner is leading people astray. He hates it when a scorner, like one of the ten spies, comes along and says, hey, Moses is the problem. We can't trust God. We need to kill Moses and go our own way. And generations suffered for that scorning. Look, did God hold them individually responsible? Yeah, but there were people who had a greater role in stirring up that rebellion. God hates it. Number two, stamp the fire, stamp the sparks out of your own life. You know what I don't want happening right now? I don't want you thinking of who needs this. I want you to be aware of your capacity to do it. We all have a blowtorch. It's called the tongue. And it's either being fueled by the spirit of God or it's being fueled by your own agenda and your own pride and your own malice and your own hate and your own criticisms and your own critique and your own view of yourself and your expertise. Stamp it out. We can all become scorners. Okay, truth in a church family. And let me just run through some hypotheticals that we know to be true. Is it true that a pastor... Or that leadership, let me just talk about the pastor. Is it true that a pastor can so deviate or become so erroneous that it needs to be dealt with or you need to find somewhere else to go? Is that true? Yeah, 100%. I want some more yeses. Is that true? Yes, yeah. But I've already told this church family this. There are things in place with the levels of leadership that if that ever becomes an issue, there are steps that this pastor, your pastor, put in place so that if I ever become so blind to those things, that people in leadership are empowered to deal with that. Okay, so I understand. You're, so the, the, a message like this, and it, the tendency is, man, he just thinks nothing should ever be questioned. I did not say that at all. Number two, in a church family of any size, and especially as ours has grown you are going to disagree with somebody about something more than once. You're going to disagree. Two possibilities on that. Number one, you may be right. Or you might be wrong. <laughs> Here's the other thing. It may just be a matter of preference. Either way... Scripture is really, really specific about things that you, that God thinks are worth blowing up a whole church over. In fact, this is what Jesus said. If anyone's going to snuff out a candle, it ought to be me. We get, we get this attitude, well, this is, this is really, really important. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just a preference. Maybe it's a legitimate right and wrong. But in either case... This is what's amazing. There is a right way to handle it. 
And just because you're right on an issue doesn't justify handling it the wrong way. Absolutely. So stamp the fire out of your own life. Number three, refuse to help others spread the spark. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you and then I'm going to tell you ways that I've stood up for you. You should never become a sounding board for someone who wants to criticize a pastor. You should never become a sounding board for someone who wants to criticize the youth director teens. You know why he's the youth director? Because God wants him to be. I love this about Brother Vi. He has made himself available to me to do whatever I think is necessary, whether that's in the youth or anywhere else. And I thank God for a spirit that is so submissive and yielded to a pastor that'll say, if you want me here or somewhere else, I'm fine with that. And that's the kind of spirit I want leading our teens. I'm thankful for that. Teens, don't you dare become a sounding board. Somebody that wants to criticize the Feavis or the Wicklands. Don't be a sounding board for people that want to complain about their parents. Don't be a sounding board for somebody that has an, an agenda against another member or a guest or an attender of this church. It is not a sign of your spiritual maturity if you are consistently listening to people criticize the family that God has made you a part of. Well, pastor, they just trust me. For the obviously wrong reasons. You are not helping them. You are, only, you are only stoking the fire in their soul. And you are increasing the possibility that it is going to be spread. You say, well, well sometimes, Pastor, you may not do everything exactly right. Fine. I've already addressed that. There's a way to handle that. You don't need to be a sounding board for criticizing church leadership. You're not helping anybody. And I've practiced this here. We've, we've had families leave over this issue. They get a burr in their saddle, so to say, and they come to me. They, hey, you need to know this about them, and you need to handle this. You show me, and this is going to be my attitude about this, and it needs to be your attitude. You show me in Scripture where I'm supposed to be going and confronting somebody because you have a problem. You show me why I'm supposed to do that. In fact, I can take you to a very specific passage in Matthew 18 that says if you have a problem, you go talk to them. Twice, sat in the office with my wife, with people that were disgruntled, with other people. You, you just need to talk to them. Nope, not my problem. And if you're not spiritually mature enough to go talk to them yourself, then you, then you need to humble yourself before God and get right. I'm going to defend you against that kind of thing. And you know what I never did in that situation? I never said that they, they were right or wrong. I didn't take sides in it. You know what I'm asking you as God's people? Your brothers and sisters and me as your pastor, I don't need you to take my side all the time. I need you just to ask people to handle things a biblical and Christ-like way. I say, listen, if you've got something, you need to quit talking to me and anybody else, and you need to go talk to him. 
You need to go talk to her. You need to go talk to them. You need to, you need to shut down this torch of scorning and go deal with this the biblical way. It doesn't need to be on Facebook. It doesn't need to be in a text. It doesn't need to be in an email. Go talk to them. Refuse to help others spread those sparks. We act like we're doing each other favors when we're willing to listen to gossip about each other. Tear people down. Now look, don't misunderstand this. I, I have people, I have people come to me often for help about how to handle situations. That's different. Don't you ever hesitate to come talk to me. And I didn't tell, all you know is that something happened somewhere. I didn't tell you any other details. And I'm not going to tell you any other details. I'm just, I know that this thing can flare up. And it can explode and consume people. You, you come to me all you want if you need help understanding a situation and dealing with a situation. But you should never go to anybody else to try to get them to take your side because you don't like something somebody did. Handle it the right way. Number four, and man, I just, I just so emotional about this point. Focus on the positive that God has done and, and, and is doing. I respect, I want to say this carefully, I respect every individual's right to not attend this church. And people can choose to not attend, and there is nothing but love and respect from me. I had, in fact, I had a, a, a situation where a family was attending for a while, and they, they sent me a message, and it was very respectful, and they just said, listen, we have some different opinions, and, and we, can't, we, we just can't land here. With, with you and with this church, we can't land here. And this is what I said. It's all good. You know you have a friend there. And if anything, can I just come by and give you a hug and thank you for being honest with me? It's all good. It's all good. Somebody decides that they need to be somewhere else. It's all good. You can come the right way. You can leave the right way. It's all good. It's all good. But I want to encourage the people of God, as you notice my flaws, and as you notice the warts that other people have, and as you pick up on the reality that we are all sinners, and some people are at different levels and stages of spiritual maturity, I want to encourage you with this. Before you let that moat become a beam in your life, think about how your family's benefited from being here first. Think about how much you're being helped by being here. Think about how much you've grown by being here. Think about how your family's been encouraged by being here. Think about how people have invested in you and how people have helped you. And that, that doesn't mean you don't deal with the situation. It doesn't mean you don't have difficult conversations at times. It just means this, that I am not going to allow the moats to become beams, especially sometimes when I have a beam in my own eye, and especially when I'm considering, man, my marriage was helped during this season, and my habits have been helped in this season, and I've seen my children grow in this season, and I've been so helped by these people, and this group did this, and this person did this, and I have benefited from this. Man, before you start torching the forest, man, can you just thank God for a minute and think about how God has blessed you in that particular place? And, and I don't, I'm not afraid of making this statement. If you, do, if you do need to leave, if you ever need to leave a place, you don't burn that place down. You let God deal with it. You let God deal with it. 
you know, we, we've had a lot of, have a lot of people that have been added through difficult circumstances. My heart hurts for people. And I, I man, I, hmm, things have happened and they go through challenges. Here's what I'm thankful for everyone that has believed God has had them join West Valley is this. And, and we've talked about this. And just about every person that's come, we have talked about this. You let, you let God deal with those things that you can't control and you be the right kind of person here. And I'm thankful for those kind of men and women. Praise God for it. And while they heal, they refuse to be a starter of fires. Yeah. So stamp out the sparks. But before it becomes a flame. I remember, uh, I think it was my last year in, on staff. And we got a call that one of the long term families, one of our deacons, they lived about 30, 20 miles from church out in the country, and it was a house that I think his grandparents had lived in, and they had had it moved onto some new land, it was a two or three story house, and it was on fire, and me and Brother Jet, we couldn't do anything, we just drove out there to be with them, and it was so, thankfully no one was injured, but it was so sad to watch a family that we loved look on as this fire consumed that house that had so many memories. Where they had been raised and raised their children and played with their grandchildren. You say, it's not a life. I get it, but it was so sad watching that go up in smoke. It could be rebuilt. And thank God for that. And it was. Thank God for that. But once that fire got started, it took away things that they could never have back. Before you start a fire here, you might want to remember that you are in danger of losing something that you may never get back. And you won't know how valuable it was until you've lost it. And there are some of you that have come from places where fires have been started. And you know the personal and the church-wide devastation that it can cause help protect this church young people don't you don't you make the feavizen don't you make the wicklands have to put out fires you learn how to put out fires yourself you be little smoky bears all over each other you hear somebody getting an attitude about a cell phone rule you just step all over that you hear somebody whining about a dress code for an event you just step all over that mm, that's good hey can i encourage our men to do the same Here's somebody complaining, you just be some smoky bears. And I'm really, I'm real. Mm, mm, I need to wrap this up. But it really, it burdens me that men want to talk smack about meaningless issues, but you don't know how to stand up to somebody that's trying to start fires. Learn how to shut stuff down. Ladies, don't get involved in the gossip. Somebody got a legitimate problem, it doesn't need to be on Facebook. Somebody has a legitimate problem, you don't need to be texting about it. They need to be dealing with the source of that problem. Stomp out those fires. You know what I want? I want one day somebody else to be pastoring this church after watching two or three generations come through. I'm going to be like Brother Cook sitting right there. 
but we've seen what fires can do. I want your kids up here leading one day, but you got to protect that. I want someone that Rebecca or Jessica taught to play the piano to be playing the piano one day, but you got to protect that. Stamp out the fires. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Looking I understand I'm stirred up about it. I understand I'm emotional. But I've I've been at this long enough and I've seen what it can do enough times to know that this has to be taken seriously. I'm not saying that there aren't things that have to be resolved. I am not saying that there aren't conversations that have to be dealt with. But I am pleading with you, husbands and wives, dad and moms, and young people, I'm pleading with you to take responsibility to be a fire extinguisher and not a blowtorch of criticism. You got something you need to deal with, you deal with it. You deal with it the right way. God gives you the, the means and the avenues through which to deal with it. We are trying to insulate this church with the right kind of procedures to protect it from leadership failure. But I'm, I'm asking you to be very careful about the things or the reasons that you start fires over. And I'm asking you as God's people to be very careful and diligent about maintaining your own spirit and helping to put out fires when you see them. Don't let them grow to where the fire department has to be called. You put it out. Let's all stand together as Brother Nate begins to sing. And if God has dealt with your heart, you respond to him.
Thank you, Brother Nate and Miss Becca. You can direct your attention this way. Uh, sure do appreciate you being here, and I love you, and you say,